Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host and president of Mission Go. Our text is taken from Matthew chapter 27, verses 5 and 6, which say, And the angel answered and said unto the woman, Fear not, for I know that ye seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. One of the great proofs of the resurrection is the fact that the tomb was empty, that even though the guards were placed in front of the tomb and the tomb was sealed, with all those precautions, Jesus rose from the dead. And we serve a living Savior, one who is alive, one that can meet our needs, one that can watch over us, one who can protect us, one that can help us through the difficult times of life. We are most blessed, those of us who are believers in Jesus Christ. I trust that this will be a great day as you contemplate the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ in our own lives. of Global Times. Today we have in our studio Naveen Tegaraj. So Naveen, why don't you uh, continue to tell us about how God's directed you 
Elijah was not able to impact his generation just because Ahab and Jezebel were too stubborn. But what he did do was he discipled Micah, Obadiah, Elisha, and Jonah. And um, later on, Micah discipled Isaiah. God's will for Elijah was that he should pass on the heritage of faith to the next generation and God took care of the rest. One of the things that we have seen in India is that if somebody comes to the Lord but is not discipled, the faith dies with that generation. You don't have it impacting the next generation. We in India want to really disciple people so that they disciple the next generation and it goes on from generation to generation, a whole nation. So what we do is we really start with our children's homes. At our children's home, we have one caregiver, three or four girls, and there we teach them about the Lord. We take them at, say, around 12 years, and when they come to 17 years, we put them into Bible school. During the Bible school, they learn thoroughly about the Bible in, in their knowledge of God, their historical knowledge of the Bible. Wherever we can get two or three Bible, Bible studies going near a college, we would start a little church plant. So that's how we, we expand our ministries and finally, righteous families into the next generation, which will also grow up children in the knowledge of the Lord. So that's our overall philosophy taking them as children, educating them in the Bible and in the knowledge of God, and finally making them form families that would serve God and teach their children how to serve God. Plus, we also want to use them in starting church plants and uh, spreading the word about the, spreading the gospel throughout India. Well, that's a great philosophy of ministry, and I know the Lord's really uh, blessed that and is blessing that. How many churches now have, have been planted because of this philosophy now? Yeah, we have planted uh, five churches. We, we work with one church every three years. And uh, what we work towards is, is building up a congregation at first, identifying leadership in the church, training the leadership, and then eventually handing over the leadership as brothers in Christ. The churches that we have started have in turn supported our ministry, and that's been a great blessing. We take students from very abjectly poor families, and tragedy of poverty is that most of the time, children who come from the poor are not protected, and uh, we've had to counsel them through that, get special help professional help in counseling our students through that and that has been a great ministry many of the girls who have actually experienced rape uh, are actually ministering to other women who have been in the same situation specifically one the caregivers at our, our children's home right now she came to us when she had just finished 10th standard and always felt a, a feeling of loss until you know she went through counseling and from that point she has taken up doing children's homes it's amazing how god redeems people out of the the terrible situations they come from uh, bring them to the light where they are doing ministry now praise the lord that's a really good story uh, how god 
can redeem through yeah. Jesus Christ our Lord. And all mm -hmm. of us become new when we receive Christ and we have a new opportunity mm -hmm. and a new blessing to serve him. We'll continue this conversation next week. Thank you, uh, yeah, thank Dean. Thank you so much for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour, produced by Mission Go and supported with your prayers and financial gifts over the years. This is the oldest Christian broadcast in North America, and we are trusting the Lord that he will continue to help us through this difficult time that we find ourselves in. And we're asking many to pray for us. This month, we're offering a wonderful booklet entitled Palm Sunday to Easter. And this booklet is really phenomenal. First of all, it has a picture of Jerusalem during the time of Jesus. It describes every place that Jesus went the last week of his life. It also has descriptions of things that happened at each site and is a wonderful historical reference and really helps with uh, Bible study. It also has the uh, hours that Jesus spent on the cross and it has all the scriptures and pertain to each hour of the time that Jesus was on the cross. And then what's really nice about it, it has all the prophecies that were fulfilled by Jesus' death on the cross. And it has the Old Testament prophecy as well as the New Testament fulfillment. It also has some archeological discoveries that prove the characters like Pontius Pilate and Caiaphas uh, family tomb and other evidences that this event actually happened. And so it's a great confidence builder for our faith to have all these truths in front of you at one time. So I highly recommend this booklet and I ask that you would write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R7A7 or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York. Thank you so much.
Today's message is from Reverend George Francisco, and it's entitled, Reasons for the Resurrection, a Good Easter Sermon. Printed copies are available upon request. Happy greetings to each of you on this Resurrection Sunday. Today we celebrate the rising of the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. For Christ, it meant the sufferings of the cross for man's sin was over forever. His glorious resurrection bears witness to God the Father's acceptance of his son's vicarious death. Jesus arose from the dead. This makes him totally unique in the history of mankind. The resurrection of Christ is the cornerstone, the foundation upon which our Christian faith stands or falls, as the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. If there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Verse 20, But now is Christ risen from the dead, and become the firstfruits of them that slept. We see that true Christian faith is tied directly to the resurrection of Christ. Let us turn to the Bible account of this great and glorious event from Matthew chapter 28. I read, in the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulchre. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow, and for fear of him the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee, there shall ye see him. And they departed quickly from the sepulchre with fear and great joy, and did run to bring his disciples' word. We learn also from the other Gospels that Jesus appeared many, many times to his disciples over a period of forty days before he ascended up into heaven, as Acts 1 describes it, and sat down on the right hand of the Father, according to Hebrews 1 and 3. This indicates that the work of redemption for mankind was completed. 
The topic I'd like to share with you today is reasons for the resurrection. Some people in our churches may think it's not important whether in fact Christ did arise from the dead or not. But as Paul says, it is extremely important. For without the resurrection, there is no hope in this life nor in the eternity to come. The Bible declares the resurrection of Christ. Angels announced it. And many, many reliable witnesses affirmed that they saw the risen Christ, spoke to him and he to them. They touched him to see if he was real, as John says in 1 John 1 and 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life, declare we unto you. John is saying we were as skeptical as anyone. But after seeing him and examining him, and hearing him, and touching him, we are totally convinced, and we declare the truth to you that Jesus did rise from the dead. So the resurrection becomes a vital article of the Christian faith, as the veracity of Jesus, the Holy Scriptures, and all those who gave witness depends upon it. Let us look then for a few moments at some reasons for the resurrection. First, Christ had to rise from the dead because of what he said. Many times during his ministry to the disciples, Jesus predicted that he would die and rise up again the third day. In Matthew 16, for instance, after Peter had given his great declaration that Christ was the Son of God, verse 21 says, From that time forth began Jesus to show how that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then again in chapter 17, verse 22, And while he abode in Galilee, Jesus said unto them, The Son of Man shall be betrayed into the hands of men, and they shall kill him, and the third day he shall be raised again. Then again in chapter 20, verse 18, Jesus said, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock, to scourge, and to crucify him. And the third day he shall rise again. Now, these and many other scriptures clearly show us that Christ predicted his sufferings and death for man's sin, and then his resurrection on the third day. The disciples had such closed minds that they just couldn't accept this. Now, many a man has made great predictions. Houdini, for instance, the great escape artist of a former generation, is said to have promised his wife that he would return to contact her after his death. But she waited in vain for the fulfillment of that promise. It's not who can make the greatest promises, but who can carry them out that counts. During the French Revolution, a man spoke to Bishop Talleyrand and said, The Christian religion, what is it? It would be easy to start a religion like that. Oh, yes, replied the bishop. One would only have to get crucified and then rise again the third day. Friends, many can make a promise, but few can fulfill them. And only Jesus fulfilled such a promise of rising again from the, uh, from the dead. He can be fully trusted 
in all of his promises. Romans 1 and 4 says that Christ was declared to be the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. Only God can raise the dead. And when Jesus made this promise to die and rise again and fulfilled it, we know that all his promises will be fulfilled. Peter declares that God has given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. Christ has promised the forgiveness of sin to all who come to him. He has promised to give them eternal life and that no man will ever pluck them out of his Father's hand, John 10. He promised, I go to prepare a place for you, and I will come again and receive you unto myself. Promises of forgiveness, eternal life, and eternal home. Can he fulfill them? Well, anyone who promised to rise from the dead and fulfill that can fully be trusted to keep all his promises. Jesus said, Come unto me, and I will give you rest. Rest of soul, rest of spirit, rest from your sins, rest from judgment, rest for eternity. Will you not come today and believe and receive this one who makes such great uh, promises? Then Jesus had to be resurrected because of who he was. We have already alluded to Christ being God manifest in the flesh. Scripture says that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. 2 Corinthians 5, 19. Jesus then was different from all other men. He was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. God gave himself, or Jesus gave himself as God, a sacrifice for man's sin. Just as the lamb that was slain in the Old Testament to atone for sin, Christ died on the cross to make the payment of man's sin. Romans 3 and 23 says, The wages of sin is death. So Jesus had to die. But Acts 2.24 says that God raised up Christ, having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he, Christ, should be holden of it. That is, death laid a bold, grasping hand on Christ through death and held him firm. But Acts 2 says that Jesus, because he was God, broke that cold, powerful hand of death and burst free. He was not held back by it an instant longer than what it took to pay man's full debt. He burst free from the grip of death and Satan something that no mere man could ever do. And he now lives forever, as Romans 5 and 9 says, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. Death has no more hold on Christ, no more claims. He is forever free. What triumph! What power! Robert Lowry captured the thrill of Christ's victory over death in the words of the great hymn, Christ Arose. Verse 3 says, Death cannot keep his prey, Jesus my Savior. He tore the bars away, Jesus my Lord. Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph o'er his foes. He arose the victor from the dark domain, and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose, 
He arose. Hallelujah, Christ arose. Yes, Jesus arose because of who he was, the Son of the living God. Then, too, Jesus arose because of what he wanted to do. Scripture says that Christ arose to become the head of the church, Ephesians 1 and 20. That God raised up Christ, it says, and uh, exalted him far above all principality and power. And verse 22 says, he gave Christ to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Now the body of Christ is made up of believers, men and women, boys and girls, who have received Christ by faith and being born again by God's Holy Spirit. Here, men tend to choose leaders that are above their fellow man in some way. Ancient Israel chose, chose Saul because he was big and he could lead them in battle. The ancient Philistines chose Goliath, who scripture says was nine feet tall and who struck fear into his adversaries. But these were just men and who failed and who died. God's word says that Christ is the head of the church. He is our leader. Think of it, the one who is eternal the one who is powerful, all-wise, all-loving, who gave himself for us. This Jesus has been honored above all others by the Father in being exalted to his own right hand. He now is our head, our leader, the one who cares for us and helps us and lifts us up and makes promises to take us home to glory with him for eternity. Surely we can rejoice and follow such a glorious leader. Then, too, Christ arose to give us resurrection power. We cannot overcome sin and temptation, like Jesus did, unless we have the power of God's Spirit, like he had. We cannot forgive our enemies and those who hurt us, like Jesus did, or love those who are unloving, unless we have that source of power beyond ourselves. Ephesians 1 and 19 says, We can know the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, according to that which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Verse 20. Friends, the life-giving power of Jesus Christ is sufficient to enable us to grow from weak and failing to strong, uh, victorious believers, able to live above our circumstances. Then, too, Jesus arose that he might give resurrection life to all who follow him. Because I live, ye shall live also, John 14. What a blessed promise. The faith of Christ enlightens the dark valley of death and helps us to see beyond to that dawning of the eternal day. May these great promises of Easter, God's word, and of the risen Christ Bless and encourage each of us today to live for Him. I trust that the message you just heard will be a real blessing to you. We are really concerned about the spiritual well-being of all the folks that listen to our broadcast. We trust that those who have been Christians for a long time will continue to grow in their faith. But we're also concerned about those who may not have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, the Bible is very clear about the qualifications that you need to become a believer in Christ. The qualification is faith. You need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You have to realize, first of all, that you're a sinner. And of course, the Bible says that all have sinned 
and come short of the glory of God. And then you need to receive Christ as your personal Savior. You need to ask him to come into your life. But as many as receive him, unto them gave he the right to become the children of God. And so if you want to be God's children, if, if you want God to help you to change your life and be more like him, you need to repent of your sins, realize the need of a Savior, and then ask Him to come into your life. Don't forget to write in this next week and order your copy of Palm Sunday to Easter. I know you enjoy this booklet very much. You can write to Mission Go, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R, 7A7 at Box 2010, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. You can go to our website, www.missiongo.org. That's M-I-S-S-I-O-N-G-O.org. And you can listen to previous broadcasts of Canada's National Bible Hour on the Mission Go website. And I trust that the Lord will be with you this week and you will sense his presence and that you would have some wonderful opportunities to share the good news of the gospel. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you in a mighty way.